You know, I think I think camp was, you know, as a as a tag leadership team, you know, we named camp months in advance. Um, but the name for this camp was was so was so true and so pointed with with coming face to face. So many people had these amazing testimonies of of God just coming in and, and wrecking them and and things like that and just all of these good things and and uh, so I'm really excited. We're gonna have a student come up here and share her testimony and. If you saw her in the video, she was actually doing a rap during the video, so she is going to rap her whole testimony here this morning at you guys. So will you please give a hand for Brandy Younger? All right, I'm sorry, I'm not actually going to rap my testimony. I'm going to let you guys down on that one. <laughs> but um, no, before tag camp, I, wasn't, I didn't really realize it until I was there, but I was looking for my identity and things besides God, things in like my friends and, um, you know, schoolwork and just random things like that, anything but God. And when I got to tag camp, we did these little cards and um, on them we wrote what we wanted to lay down to God and what we wanted to glorify him with and things like that. And we nailed them up to this big cross. And on that, I got to lay down how I was um, not finding my identity in Christ, but in other things. And so I got to got to kind of rebalance myself in him. And um, when we wrote down what we wanted to glorify him with, I wrote down that I wanted to glorify him with any like spurt of joy and laughter that I have. Um, and so then a couple nights later on the final night, um, <laughs> during the So Will I song, the like, if the stars will worship you, so will I, that song, um, I just, I invited the Holy Spirit in and I just started uncontrollably laughing. Like it was crazy and I was like God this is your way of being like yeah you're gonna glorify me with your laughter and so that happened um <laughs> but yeah during that song um I just had the Holy Spirit like completely um overflow in me and I realized that our God is just so incredible and powerful that he created the mountains and the canyons and the waves and yet he created me and chose me and chose you guys and created you guys like how can we not be in just complete and utter love with a God who is so powerful and amazing to do that um, and so yeah basically to wrap this up um, tag camp just made me realize how just incredible and extravagant of a God he is and how just worshiping him just like makes our lives just completely fall into place and come together. Um, so I'm really thankful for that tag camp experience. And yeah, that's it. <laughs> you know, it's this is mine and Haley's one year anniversary here at One Chapel. We, uh, I moved June 30th. Haley moved. July, was it the first? July 1st, last summer. And uh, it's been such a roller coaster ride here. It's been so much fun and so many people that we've met. Um, and Brandy came and joined us um, in about August or September of last year. And, and to see what God has done in her life is just, it's miraculous. And I'm so proud of her and so thankful for her. Um, as well as with a lot of our other youth and and, and God has just been doing some incredible things here. I just wanted to throw some numbers at you because I feel like a lot of times on Sunday morning we, become, we can become so distant to what is really happening in some of the other ministries in our church. And, and one of the things that I'm going to share about 
some things that are in my heart is, is we, we cannot become distant to our youth. We cannot become distant to what God is doing in our youth, and it has to be a priority of Sunday morning and a priority because it takes an entire church to reach the next generation. It takes an entire body of believers. So just, just so some numbers, we had 120 students at camp this year. It's our biggest take camp ever, so that, that's an exciting thing. Uh, an even more exciting thing is that out of take camp, we have 21 students being baptized today. Um, so that is, yes, praise the Lord. A little more Lake Travis focused. So the first Wednesday that Haley and I were here, we had five students. And they were all guys. And a girl wanted nothing to do with what we were doing here. And, and there, was, there was a spirit, it felt like, it felt like a spirit over our youth group that, that made it a place where, where kids didn't want to go. There was some, some things that had happened and, and it was hard. Um, but God has done so much in the last year. Um, we had over 40 students at our last city group. In, in one year, we had over 40 students, and we're having seven students get baptized today. We didn't even have seven students a year ago. Like, so God is, God is doing tremendous things in our youth, and there's, there's crazy things happening. Like, the youth are causing a lot of problems, like with building space, because we don't have enough room to hold them all and things. Like, these are all really, really good things, and I, I just, I want you guys to know that because God is doing something special, and, and he wants you to be a part of that, and he wants you to be involved in that. And uh, we'll, talk about, we'll talk about some more of those things here, but, but it's, we have a lot to celebrate. Uh, I, I fully believe that God wants to do a lot more. Uh, he has got a lot more in store for, for LT youth and, and for Austin youth in general and, and what TAG is doing as a whole. He has a lot more planned, but, but we've, there's been some really amazing things happen. And um, some really amazing testimonies have come out of the last year. And, and we are so thankful, um, Haley and I are so thankful to be able to, to be a part of this. Um, and, to, and to be able to love on these students. So with that said, let's dive into some scripture here. So one of the, one of the things about me is, is I am an Old Testament person. I, I love the Old Testament. Um, maybe not all of it, but I really specifically love uh, the king's part of the Old Testament. I like the war. I like the blood and guts and and I like the funny stories about how, like, one king was so fat that, you know, somebody tried to kill him and they lost the sword inside of his belly and things like that. Like, I love, I love stories like that. And, but one of the people that I really have found a lot of connection with um, is David. And we hear a lot about David, right? David slayed Goliath. You know, David uh, uh, unified Israel after Saul. David did all of these amazing things. He was an amazing warrior for Israel. He led Israel into a, into a place of, of abundance and a place of blessing because of his, his craftiness as a war general. And, and, and he came from a shepherd and he, and he rose to the top. And it seems like so much of how we talk about David is, is how amazing David was. Um, but there's a lot in the story of David, that David is messed up. Um, David has a lot of faults. And uh, the, the biggest one that we hear about is, is probably David and Bathsheba and how he committed adultery and, and how you know, he had to murder Uriah and all of these things. And, and we, we, see, we see all of these things. And one thing that we learn, I think if there's one thing that you can learn from David more than anything else in the world, is that when you stop fighting... 
you begin to lose. In every single aspect of David's life, when he fought, when he went, out, when he went ahead, and when he went full on in every single thing, he earned the title of man after God's own heart. He was victorious in whatever he fought for. But then when he stopped fighting, the Bible says right before he committed adultery with Bathsheba, it says he should have been at war, but he wasn't. And that is the story of David's life. When David struggles, it's because he doesn't go to war. And I want to look at another story that is, is hidden. I have about 15 minutes here this morning, and I want to talk about like 10 chapters of the Bible. I don't really know how I'm going to do it, but we're going to figure this out. Um, but there's another story that is hidden through pretty much the whole second half of David's kingship. And that is, that is how David is a father. And, you know, to me it kind of surprised me. Because I was still under the assumption that David was this awesome guy. And David did a lot of things. There's a lot that we can learn from David. There, there's a, a lot that we can learn about the, the passion of David and the heart that he had for God. But we can also learn some things about fathering. And about how to be a parent from David. And, and so there's a, there's a story. Um, most of this takes place. I'm just going to use three scriptures. I'm going to try and keep it short. Um, but if, if you want it, this is a really good study to do on your own time. Like I said, I can't talk through ten chapters of the Bible in one little 15-minute stretch. But this is an amazing story. And, and to see the ups and downs and to really dive into the personality struggles, you can learn so much from this story. But there... In 2 Samuel chapter 13, we find this situation with Amnon, David's son. Amnon was David's first son. And what he did is he raped his sister. Big deal, right? I'm pretty sure as a parent, if your son rapes a sister, it, it's going to be an issue. That's going to be a big issue. But, but we instantly see David's heart as a father in this one verse in 2 Samuel chapter 13, verses 21 through 22, it says, King David heard the whole story, and he was enraged. Okay, it's good. He's mad. Um, but then verse 22 says, but he didn't discipline Amnon. David doted on him because he was his firstborn. Doted means he adored him. He loved on him even more. And, and this begins, this is the first time at least in my study, that you really see David lacking as a father. And, and the progression just gets worse and worse because now all of a sudden his kids start killing each other, his kids start stealing the throne from him, and his kids start just going all over the world and all over the place and doing all of these crazy things. And, and we, see, we see a heart of David of how he couldn't father his children. He wasn't involved in his kid's life. And one of the things that he didn't do the most is he didn't prioritize a relationship with God in his kid's life. And it had drastic consequences. So this is one of the things that I want to tell. I want to speak to parents right now as, as the next-gen pastor of this church. I want to just, you are the spiritual authority for your children. You are the one who sets the bar. You are the one who, who sets their priorities. You are the one who sets their schedule. You are the one who has the biggest influence on your children's life. David missed God in his fathering. David missed God in his parenting. And it had consequences. We can't do that. 
We can't allow our children to miss the heart of God. It has to be a priority to us. You know, the, I did a whole bunch of research on stats because I love stats. The number, one things that, the number one thing that keeps children from going to youth group, guess what it is? Kind of. It's busyness. Who controls a child's busyness? You know, I don't, I don't see any sixth grader being like, I got all these appointments on my schedule. Mom, you better get me there. You know, there's, you, you, can't, you can't argue with this. You better get me to, you know, parents control what, what is the priority of the kids. And the number one keeping kids from church is their lives are too busy. Because sports are more important. School is more important. All of these other things. Homework is more important. All, all of those things have a lot of value. They all have a lot of value. But what is our priority? Where are our hearts? What is really important to us? So that's my challenge. Um, so we see, this, we see this story where David was afraid. He was afraid to discipline. He, he loved him so much. How many times has somebody heard that from a parent? I just love him. I, can't, I don't want to yell at him. I don't want to discipline him. I don't want to push them away because I love them so much. There's so many times that love gets in the way of doing what is right for our kids. And, and it wasn't just with his firstborn. David did this with all of his children. So we, we fast forward, fast forward a little bit, and there came a time where, where Absalom, David's other son, started to rebel against David. So, so Absalom ended up killing Amnon because he was mad, because he raped his sister, so he was mad at him, so he wouldn't kill them. And then so Absalom had to get kicked out of the kingdom because David was mad at him for killing his firstborn and all of these messed up things. And, and finally, Absalom comes back to the kingdom. So we find this situation where he comes back to the kingdom and, you know, his daddy is not giving him any attention and his dad is not giving him any love. So what does he do? He starts to slowly rebel. So what Absalom does is he goes to the court and everybody who comes, everybody who's coming to, like, hear the words of David, Absalom starts to be like, hey, you know, David doesn't have any time for you. He doesn't, he doesn't want to listen to you. He doesn't, he doesn't want to love you. He doesn't, he doesn't care what you have to say. But I'll, I'll hear it. I'll listen to you. I'll be a voice for you guys. I'll love on you. And he slowly, over the course of a couple years, see how distant David was from his sons? Over the course of a couple years, Absalom steals the heart of the kingdom. He misses it. David misses this. And, and I want to I touch on this story because um, I, th- I think God left us a golden nugget in this story um, about, about how we can see the world. So Absalom steals the heart of the kingdom, declares himself king, and David flees, and David runs from his son. And we find this situation where Absalom is in a position where, where he's seeking advice on what do I do? Okay, now I have all these people. I have this army. What do I do? Where do I go with this? And um, this is kind of a long story, but try and stick with me here. So this is Absalom said to Ahithophel, give us your advice. What should we do? And Ahithophel answered, sleep with your father's concubines, whom he left you to take care of in the palace. Then all of Israel will hear that you have made yourself obnoxious to your father and that the hands of everyone with you will be more resolute. So they pitched a tent for Absalom on the roof, and he slept with his father's concubines on the side of Israel, in all of Israel. Now in those days, the advice of Ahithophel gave, or the advice that Ahithophel gave 
was like that of one who inquires of God. That was how both David and Absalom regarded all of Ahithophel's advice. So I want to stop here in this story because Ahithophel, his advice was like it was coming from God. So he was somebody that everybody respected. And everybody knew he, he spoke. When he spoke, we should listen. When he spoke, it was probably from God. And now, you flip one chapter, the very next verse, it goes on. Ahithophel said to Absalom, I would choose 12,000 men and set out tonight in pursuit of David. So Ahithophel is still giving, giving advice. I would attack him while he was weary and weak, and I would strike him with terror, and then all the people with him will flee. I would strike down only the king and bring all the people back to you. The death of the man you seek will mean the return of all. All the people will be unharmed. This plan seemed good to Absalom and to all the elders of Israel. But Absalom said, summon also Hushai the archite, so we can hear what he has to say as well. So just so you guys know who Hushai is. Hushai is a spy that David sent to be amongst Absalom. So we have, we have one wise counsel person here who is the voice of God. And we have another wise counsel here who is sent by Absalom's enemy to be a spy and a voice of death. So listen to what he says here. Summon Hushai. When Hushai came to him, Absalom said, Ahithophel was, has given this advice. Should we do what he says? If not, give us your opinion. And Hushai replied to Absalom, the advice Ahithophel has given is not good this time. You know your father and his men. They are fighters and as fierce as a wild boar robbed of her cubs. Besides, your father is an experienced fighter. He will not spend the night with the troops. Even now, he is hidden in a cave or some other place. If he should attack your troops first, whoever hears about it will say, there has been a slaughter among the troops who follow Absalom. Then even the bravest soldier, whose heart is like the heart of a lion, will melt with fear, for all Israel knows that your father is a fighter and that those who are with him are brave. So I advise you this. Let all of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, as numerous as the sand on the seashore, be gathered to you, with you yourself leading them into battle. Then we will attack him wherever he may be found, and we will fall on him as dew settles on the ground. Neither he nor any of his men will be left alive. If he withdraws into the city, then all of Israel will bring ropes to the city, and we will drag it down to the valley until not so much as a pebble is left. Absalom and all the men of Israel said, the advice of Hushai the archite is better than that of Ahithophel. So, if you caught this, if you caught this, we have a voice of reason, a voice of God, somebody who speaks and is, is recognized as the voice of God to his people, and we have the voice of a spy, the voice of somebody who wants destruction. And it even says in chapters. 16. It even says that Ahithophel's voice was, was liked, and they knew, they knew that it was the voice of God. But the very next thing, the very next thing, they follow the voice of destruction. And this is something that we have going on in our lives, and this is something that our children face every single day. There are a lot of voices in this world. There are a lot of things trying to get our children and our youth to go separate ways. And a lot of voices, there's a lot of voices in your life trying to bring destruction to you. 
There needs to be a voice of God. There needs to be a voice of reason. There needs to be a voice that we can lean on and press into. You know, Absalom was deceived. He was deceived by Hushai. And, and, we, and we, find, we find this battle of words, and it's the very battle that we face today. I want to use some, some statistics, and I, I hope that this scares you. Because it scares me. Because there is a fight for the next generation in America. And, and overall, in the world, Christianity is winning. We are growing in numbers. God is doing miraculous things in the world. But in America, we are losing. So, here's a stat for you. 77% of believers in the church accepted Jesus before turning 21. So that means that three out of the four, three out of every four people in this room accepted Jesus before turning 21. And now here's another stat. 60% of millennials are leaving the church by the time they turn 24. So if the majority of the church is accepting Jesus before they turn 21, but the next generation is leaving the church by the time they turn 24, where is that leading? Where is that going? And as well, if the majority of the church accepts Jesus before they turn 21, where is our passion? Where is our pursuit? We are called to be witness to this world. Who are we witnessing to? Another stat that's going on right now is if you are in a Gen Z, so those are our students right now. Gen Z is 1998 to like 2015. Is that right? Something like that. I'm not very good at these Gen things. But Gen Z, Gen Z are students right now. Gen Zs are twice as likely to be atheists than any other generation. So, so the American population, 6% people are atheists. Gen Z, 13%. So, so we, have, we have a disparity going on in our youth. The next generation is going down a path that should be frightening for the church. That maybe not, maybe not frightening, but it should be, we should be looking at where our priority are. We should be looking at where our heart is. We should be looking at where our passion is. And, and you know, I thought a long time about why this is. So why is this happening? Why, why is there this disparity? And I want to tell you guys a story that I think puts it in a nutshell. There was a man and a daughter, a father and a daughter. And, and the father raised his daughter in church. She was in church every single Sunday. She did all the things that she was supposed to do. She went to Sunday school. She, she did the things that she was. And, and by the time the daughter turned 18, the father started to feel that his daughter was drifting away from God. And she started, getting, she started to struggle with some things. She started diving into some things that, that the father never raised her for. And, and, and one day the dad was asked, what did you do wrong? What did you miss with your daughter? And his answer has changed my heart on the way I view students. And it's changed a lot of the parents that I've shared this with their heart. His answer was, I raised her in church, but I didn't raise her in Christ. 
And this is, this is a miss in a lot of our churches and in a lot of our, our parenting. And the time of, of rules and, and, and only, having a, only having a platform that stands on what is right and wrong and, and morals Millennials and Gen Zs are questioning morals. Morals don't mean as much as they used to. We need something different in this world. We can't raise our children in church. We need to raise them in Christ. And, and, and this is one of the things that, that I fully believe is different about our youth group here at One Chapel. Because our vision for youth group is to raise kids in the presence of God and get them to encounter Jesus face to face. You guys heard Brandy's testimony. Brandy's testimony was not a testimony of, I lived a good life. You know, God kept me from trouble. He kept me from doing things that I shouldn't be doing. Her testimony was, I met God. I felt his presence. I sat face to face. I felt his joy. I had a tangible encounter with Jesus. And this, this is the heart of our students that we need. We need, a, we, need a, we need God's presence in our youth. Students need this, and we can't just expect them to, the, we can't just expect anymore that bringing students to church is enough. We need to bring them into a place where they can find Jesus, and they encounter him, and they encounter the life. And I hope, I hope that you guys have found that here in church as well. I hope that you guys have found that here during, you know, Hayden does an incredible job of leading us into worship. And there are things that happen in this worship service that are so refreshing and so healing and so powerful. And it's that presence that we feel here during this service that our students need to feel. Because there are a lot of voices in this world. There are a lot of voices saying, your God is fake. Evolution is real. You know, there is no right or wrong. There's a lot of ways. 70% of people in the world think that there's not one way to heaven. That includes Christian. We need to know God's presence. We need to feel his presence. We need to create that. And that's what we're doing in TAG. That's what we are, we are opening the door for students to come and sit in his presence and to be with God and to spend time with God and to come face to face with God. That's what the heart of our youth ministry is about. And, and, and I want to stand up here and tell you guys that and speak this message because we all need to dive into this. The stat that I use first, 77% of Christians accept Jesus before they turn 21. If you break it down a little bit further, 66% of Christians accept Jesus before they turn 18. A lot of times we focus on just our adult friends. You know what, there's children in their lives too. This church does a lot of things for our children that we can bring people into and we can get them to encounter the life of Jesus. And get them to encounter the love of Jesus. So, so my, my cry and my heart to you guys this morning. It's, it's, it's not a great teaching message. It's not this fantastic revelation. But it's that 
you guys will, will prioritize the youth in your lives. That you will prioritize the youth in your lives to love on them. And, and to see that they have a hard path. And to see that there's a lot of things in their life that are trying to pull them astray. But you'll love on them and push them towards a spot where they can find life. Where they can find the presence of God. Where they can find their Savior. Because if our students are not encountering Jesus, they're walking away. They're walking away. And there's nothing that breaks my heart more than to see a kid get raised in church and when he goes off to college and when he goes to real life, he leaves Jesus behind. That's, that should be our heartbreak. We need to pursue that and we need to dive into that. Hayden, you guys can come back up. So we're going we're gonna to do this kind of thing here at the end. Where I'm going to ask the students, and, and we're going to we're going to sing a song, and we're going to pray for you guys, because this is Take Sunday. So I'm going to have my in a second, not right now, youth, but I'm going to have all the youth come to the front, and we're just going to do like a line, and we're gonna we're gonna pray over you guys, because I I fully believe that these students who are here, and the students who have come to our group, and the students who've experienced camp have experienced the presence of God, and have experienced God in a majestic tangible and beautiful way and and they have a life that is being changed I wish we had more time to hear more testimonies because Brandy's testimony is something that was amazing they have a life that is being changed and there's more there's more testimonies to that and and the thing that rules in all of their testimony is that when they entered into the presence of God everything in their life changed And a lot of times, as we grow older, we lean more on ourselves. We lean more on what's right or wrong. We lean more on our money, on our things, and where we've gotten. But I want to take take a moment, and I want to challenge you all to find God's presence right here in this moment. And we're going to do a little prayer line where all of us are going to walk through and the youth are going to pray for you. And when you walk back to your seat, I want you to press in. I want this presence that our students carry this presence that they encounter every single Wednesday night, this presence that they encounter every, every morning in their bedrooms, and, and this presence that they're carrying, I want it to rub off on you. And I want the students to be a life and an encouragement to you this morning. Because as I said when I opened, I feel like there's a lot of walls that we're facing, and our students kicked down a lot of walls this weekend. They kicked down a lot of walls, and I want to give you guys the opportunity to do that this morning. Because it's when we carry the presence of God with us, when we carry the presence of God with us, we can make a difference in our communities, and we can make a difference in our homes, and we can make a difference in our lives. 
And I don't want a single person to go out of here without encountering the presence of God. And so we're going to sing a song that we sang at camp. All of these songs that we sang, we sang at camp this morning. But it's that song that we just ended on. And it says, this is what the bridge is. It says, you split the sea so I could walk right through it. My fears were drowned in perfect love, and you rescued me. And I will stand and sing that I am a child of God. You split the sea so I could walk right through it. You drowned my fears in perfect love, and you rescued me. You know, there was a reason that Jesus said, have a heart of a child. Have a heart of a child because they're cherished because they can see God. Let's find that heart. I don't know what it is. This, when I woke up this morning, my message was not going to be this path, but I feel like God is, is just doing this in the room. I don't know what it is that is standing in front of you. I don't know what it is that are standing in our lives. But last weekend, the youth went and they said, God, you split the sea so I could walk through that issue that's going on in my life. And I want to do that right now in this spot. I want each of you guys to have the opportunity to declare over your lives that God split the sea so that you can walk through whatever issue you're going through, whether it's money, whether it's personal, whether it's with your students, whether it's with your youth, whatever it is, I want to give you the opportunity to walk through it. And the youth are going to bless you. And the youth are going to pray over you. And they're going to encourage you in that fight. So if you could, guys, youth, come up. I want half of you on this side, half of you on this side. Here's how we're going to do this. We're going to do this just like communion. So if you've taken communion here with us, so you can stand up. You'll exit to your right, and you'll just walk through your side. Youth leaders, Eric, Haley, you guys can come up too. Um, and we'll just, so you guys will just put a hand on you. All we're going to do is we're just going to bless you. And we're going to open up this opportunity. We want to we push some of the presence of God into you. We want to help you. We want to come alongside you and fight. All right. This youth thing, it goes adults to children and children to adults. So we want to minister to you guys here this morning. So if you guys could stand up, we're going to cry out this song. You guys can start coming. The first row can lead it. You can exit to your right, circle back around. The, the, the right side will go down the middle. The left side will go on that side. And, and press in. Press in. God will open your seat. He will split whatever you are facing. And he wants you to walk right through it. So come on, Hayden, let's sing this song. You split the sea so I can walk through it. You rescued me, God. We believe that you will provide, Lord. We enter into your presence. God, we say more of you. More of you, God. Bless this time. Bless these students, God, in Jesus' name. Jesus, it's, it's Take Sunday where we celebrate our youth, God, but we are all your children. We are all your children. When we, when we came to you, Lord, in our brokenness and in our hurt and our pain, you lifted us up and you put a crown on our head and you said you are mine you are my prince you are my princess you are my child God loves you guys so much 
He loves you so much. He wants to be with you. He wants his presence to be with you every moment, every second of the day. And there's nothing more powerful than the presence of God. There's nothing more powerful. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we thank you that you split the sea. It's because the fact that you split the sea that we can stand and we can sing and we can shout with joy. You are our life. You are our hope. Jesus, thank you for your presence. And it's in your holy name that we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys, the youth will be around. They'll be around up front. If you want to come and pray for them or maybe get prayed for by them, we would love to do that with you guys. Otherwise, have a wonderful Sunday. Say hi to somebody who looks like they're in youth. It doesn't matter whether they are or not. Just say hi to them anyways and tell them they look really young today and beautiful and they were awesome at Jigapuff. And have a wonderful Sunday, you guys, and have a wonderful week. And we'll see you next week.